Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's fucking delightful. Delightful. Fucking good combination playing. Sliding balls into space. Good. Excellent. You have them on the fucking boat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rotor Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back after Sunderland's resounding 4 1 away win at Wigan. Trying to make talk about it is Martin Wanless. Hi, mate. Hello, Gav. And hello to the listeners. Yes, we battered Wigan away from home, Martin. 4 1. Uh, four different goal scorers. A team who we expected to beat but gave us a bit of a roughing up at times, but some real quality goals from Sunderland on show. We probably shaded it over the 90 minutes. I would probably know probably about it. We definitely shaded over the 90 minutes, but it could have gone differently had at ones each. You know, we hadn't stayed in the game physically because Wigan, you know, had a couple of decent chances, but our quality shone through in the end and, and expect the three points, would you say? It was a great three points, wasn't it? Especially coming off um, the, the Blackburn win on Boxing Day. Last minute winner there and to follow that up with a an away win against, you know, let's face it, against a team who we should beat, against a team who are absolutely bloody awful, against a team who are going to go down, I think, unless something Undoubtedly. seismic yeah. happens under um, Colo Toure this um, second half of the season because they are by far the worst team I've seen us play this season so I think you know anything that we, we talk about and look we were excellent in large patches tonight great goals we'll go through but I think you've got to have that little sort of caveat that we were playing an awful side um, tonight because we've had a good record against Wigan haven't we over the last couple of seasons yeah, we did yeah. double over them last season didn't double over them this season but obviously they went up miles ahead of us last season so it was nice to sort of see where both teams are this season and look I think we're streets ahead of them this could have probably gone another way you know you think back that Cardiff game that that was the one a lot of people mentioned when the team was announced because the last time we played such an inexperienced midfield was against Cardiff and that was a game when we picked that team and everybody who saw it at two o'clock on that day I remember was like that's a you know really good side that we've picked there you know and then as the game played out on the pitch we struggled and we got beat and it could have been that type of game but it wasn't we were really good at times especially in the first half I felt like we definitely shaded the play Probably unlucky to go in a half time at one all, despite the fact you know McLean hit the post. But then in the second half, when we brought on our quality players, which we had on the bench, and we'll come on to the team selection in a minute, the quality shone through. The team selection we might as well drop straight into because before the game that caused a little bit of a stir on social media and stuff. People weren't particularly sure on the team selection. Probably more to it than we realise. I think there's a few lads missing with injury. Corey Evans, for instance, was nowhere near the team. Stuart on the bench which a lot of people weren't happy with probably because he's been out for four months and 
think Tony Mowbray said after the last game, we didn't really want him to play 90 minutes, but needs must. So it was likely he wasn't going to start this one. And it was a gamble, wasn't it? But you have to say, looking at how things played out, how some of the lads who came in actually played, you know, your Bars, your Michoos, your Trey Humes, Bailey Wright even had a decent game. Given all of those things, you've got to say it worked and it came off. It did work. And look, I, I was I was surprised by his team selection. And you know, I have a, a go at guessing the, the lineup on the website before each game. And I thought he'd make a couple of enforced changes. I thought he'd go with the strongest side and just prioritise this game and not really worry too much about Blackpool because... After the Blackpool game, we've got a fortnight's break, I think, from league action. We've got the FA Cup game against um, Shrewsbury. So I thought, you've, you know, we've got these three games to manage. And I did think Stuart would start, and I thought there would only be a couple of changes from the, the team that beat Blackburn. But it was a, it was a really... It, it was a brave call, I think, by Tony Mowbray. Obviously, we don't know the, the extent of Evans's injury. The fact that he wasn't on the bench, I don't think, suggests it might be a... An injury rather than him just being rested. And you know, Mowbray has been talking Mishu up a bit, hasn't he, in, in press conferences and saying it's you know, he's gonna get a chance and he came in and look he, he looks a, a lovely football player. You know, he's a obviously a very cultured player. I think playing on that sort of pitch. The pitch was shocking, wasn't it? It was absolutely shocking the pitch. I, I mean, no wonder Wigan are so agricultural as a football team because the pitch was shocking. <laughs> it, it was like a ploughed field at times, it was awful. Well, I think it pretty much was, wasn't it? Yeah. You can tell they play rugby league on it, can't you? Yeah. But yeah, the team selection was pretty ambitious, but like I say, I was happy enough with it. I'm I'm happy regardless what he does because I just think we've got such a good squad. Everybody knows their job. There's no egos at play, really. So give he could pick any team for me and I would be happy with it because I know that the lads going out there are going to give it their best, regardless of whether we win or not. That's the difference with this squad for me is that, you know, compared to teams in recent years in the past and stuff you can tell there's a real cohesion there so we can if we can make changes and we made loads of changes in the game we made all five subs one of which was a player who was subbed on in Pritchard and you know you had players out of position we had to change the system a little bit and it made no difference because all Wigan had to offer was physicality and dark arts and trying to trying to boot us around the pitch and when we showed we were a match for that they had nothing else to offer because we just gave it what we, yeah. we gave it our best effort, you know. And predictably, James McLean was at the center of most of it, trying to hoof us all over the place and wind the fans up and all of it. But we just didn't rise to it because we knew we had the quality in the team to take it to them. And I mean, you, you said that, that they're probably the worst team you've seen, they'll go down. And those teams can be dangerous to play against, particularly at this stage in the season, just before January. You know, they're going to want to make a couple of changes probably in the upcoming window. Maybe there's a few lads there who are playing for moves. I mean, Broadhead was on the bench for them. How he can't get a game for them, I've got no idea. Because, <laughs> you know, shocking. But yeah, we did the job. And like I said, you know, it, it's very difficult sometimes to play against these teams. At ones each, we could have folded because there was a, probably a five-minute period there where Wigan were just getting on top of us a little bit. And they were winning a couple of free kicks and... I was feeling like, you know, this game could spin a little bit. But then one of the common criticisms of Tony Mowbray has been his inability to switch things up and he made changes that worked. So you've got to say over the 90 minutes, we probably deserved it. I mean, we definitely deserved it. Like I say, stats-wise, more shots, more shots on target, loads more possession, more passes, and just better quality, right? Wigan can't have oh, any complaints about that. Yeah. No, I think this could be a hugely important game for us uh, moving forward to more than the three points because... 
this is the first game that um, Mishu started, the second game that Bars started. And it was a little bit of a sort of redemption game for Bar because I, I think he's looked excellent coming off the bench. But he had that start against Cardiff where he, he was in a midfield two with Dan Neal. And he looked all at sea, didn't he? He didn't yeah. have a good game at all. And I think that's pro- that probably set him back a little bit in terms of his integration into the first team. System suited him though, Martin, didn't it? The, well, it did. The way he played, he's, yeah. he's played in a more advanced role. He had more protection behind him. And you know the way that he drove forward from midfield with the ball on a number of occasions, he moves quickly with the ball. He advances up the pitch. And you know he looks a really good player, a very different player to Mishu, but a really good, talented player. And that'll give Tony Mowbray confidence that the two of them can do a job for us in the second half of the season. And it'll give them confidence that they can do, do a job as well. Obviously, we've, we've talked a lot about Ahmed in, in pre- previous weeks, but you know he's increasingly coming to the fore and you know, he didn't have the, the best of games tonight, but he's got that quality to stick that glorious shot away to seal the, the 4-1 win, which was beautiful. And there's not many players we've got who can do that sort of thing. No. So it was, you know, it was a really important victory tonight. And I think you know you commented about Tony Mowbray making early subs, and he's been criticised for not making it. It was probably a little bit easier for him tonight because he had Ross Stewart on the bench, he had Patrick Roberts, he had Pritchard on the bench, yeah. players who he trusts. And you know that was probably the his game plan all along: get sixty minutes, games all right, managing the game, throw those lads on because we don't want to risk them for for ninety, and get the win. And it worked out perfectly. Yeah, like I say, Wigan try it again amongst us. To be fair, we stood up to it. You know, the referee gave us a couple of decisions. They had one forced change in defence, and given they've not really got many defenders fit, that was to our benefit. And there we got the goal to kick things off, which was from Ellis Sims. But just before that, we had the chance from Bar, didn't we? Which um, I thought I don't know how that that stayed out. Like I it was a good save by the keeper. I think if he hits it anywhere to the left, it's in. It was funny because he had, he had two defenders on that side, didn't he? And he had the keeper come over, and the keeper actually made a lot of ground up to come back across himself. Yeah, I think Bard. I think it's hard to criticise Bard for no, that. He just wellied no. it into the into what he thought was the space, wasn't he? But the keeper got across, and he made a really good save. He actually started the move off as well before the ball fell to him. He, he did really well. Yeah. But yeah, the goal, the first goal came from Ellis Sims. It was a bit of good play from Trey Hume. I've watched the goal back a few times now, and he actually crosses it into the floor which obviously helps us a great deal because it takes all of their defence and goalkeeper out of it and Sims is just waiting for it to head it home. There's a lad on the line playing him on, which is always nice. And um, yeah, Sims got another goal. that was a shot, me like. You reckon it was a shot? I mean, we're yeah. just watching it back here Hitting now. The ground going across the keeper. Um, let's have a look. I reckon so. It's, I don't know, because he sort of puts his foot behind the ball. We'd have to ask Trey Hume, I guess. But I mean, if he, <laughs> if he meant it, then fantastic, you know. But... Good striker's instinct from Sims, who... Right place at the right time. Um, right place, right time, like you say. Good little header. Gets us up and running. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say about that goal, is there, other than the fact he was in the right place at the right time to score it. Wigan, to be honest, couldn't have done a, a great deal about it. I think the shot come cross from Hume totally outfoxed them, and that was that. After that, though... They they make a bit of a mess of it, don't they? Those, the two defenders going for the same ball that collide, which lets it go through yeah. to, to Hume. It was, it was nice to get that goal straight away after that save from, from Barr's shot because so often we have a glorious chance like that don't we and we, we don't capitalise on it and then you know you, you play the next 10-15 minutes and go oh shit if, we, if only yeah. we got that chance things would have been different but it was nice to get that goal at that point and we've been on top I think Gav like the, the I think we started the game really really well we started you know composed we started strong 
we took any sting out of Wigan that they started the game with. And they're in a funny position, aren't they? They've sacked a, a very popular manager. They've got Tourain, who's a who he's, I know he's been Brendan Rodgers' coach at Celtic and Leicester, but he's he's not a proven manager. No. Um, someone, it's someone, a gamble for them. Someone pointed out that they named a stand after Liam Richardson, which I think they did after <laughs> what happened with Charlie White. Oh, right, okay, right. It just seems bizarre, doesn't it? You know, he's no longer there so soon after getting promoted and stuff. They're a bit of a basket mm. case, clearly. You know, you can tell just by looking at the team, they haven't got any real money behind them to invest in the team. It's pretty much the same team they came up with, and yeah, not great. But yeah, James McLean hit the post with a half volley which was a bit of a warning to us. You know, we just got away with that. And then their goal, let's quickly talk about it. I mean, I don't... Well, Ahmad, Ahmad hit the bar, didn't he? Ahmad hit the bar before they equalised. I think, I think it might yes, have been. Yes, he did. Yes. I think it was. It was a great hit. Um, I wish that had gone in. Yeah. He, oh, that, to me, that's a sitter. Like, yeah. He's got a score there. Yeah, well, I've, I guess he's put, he's put all of his power into the shot. Rather yeah. than just taking his time, which he's actually normally really composed. But yeah, sorry, their goal then the the equaliser, not great from Patterson really, was it? It was. You yeah, know, it was a fault for us. Yeah, you, you, I don't really want to criticise too much, but you know the the move breaks down after Sims loses the ball. They they get through the midfield. Uh, I think it's Asgard who has the shot originally, and it's yeah. it's a pretty comfortable one for Patterson. I mean. It's not like there's a sea of bodies in front of him and he can't see it. It's there. It's like, you know, it's not a great shot. And it bounces up in front of him. He palms it into a dangerous area and good instincts from, from their forward who, you know, taps it home. I think it's Will Keane. Yeah. It's a disappointing one, isn't it? No, it is. I think there's a few things to pick up on that. Earlier in the move, Sims had a... I can't remember who played the ball into him. It might have been Clark. But Sims was re- really quite weak in holding the ball up, and he let their defender nip in ahead of him. Um, and I think you know that, that would be a criticism of Sims's game tonight. Yeah, but he wasn't strong. And like you know, it's difficult for him now, isn't it? You're comparing them directly with with Ross Stewart on on Boxing Day against Blackburn. Stewart did that magnificently. But the game progresses, and yeah, look, the, the lad has a shot from it's about thirty yards out, isn't it? And Patterson's got a clear view of it. It moves a little bit, but he's either got to stop, like just stop that catch it. Or if he's not sure, a tip it around the post. He pushes it back out into a really dangerous area. Keane does, you know, what what you like to see good strikers do: follow in on the off chance that the ball pop out. Yeah, I'm a fan of Patterson. I think he's got so much potential, and I think he's, you know, he's got that thing with any young player that they're going to make mistakes, they're going to have a lack of consistency, and you know, only by playing football you're going to get that consistency. He's got all the attributes to be a a really good keeper. And we've seen all of those attributes in spells this season, but you're going to get errors like that and that you know hopefully he doesn't dwell on it and the fact that we've come away with a comfortable three points will mean that it's not a, a mistake that gets um scrutinized too much by by people no i think at half time though we, we the, the lads and the management and stuff probably probably went in really frustrated that we were not winning because we oh, yeah. we'd been the better team so much better by far it? played them yeah but um yeah we started the second half with the same team I think, like I said before, there's been criticism of Mowbray recently not making subs soon enough, but there was a period where it you could feel the game turning a little bit in Wigan's favour. And normally in a game you would be you you can say these things. Play, it, it's dead common with us after half time for some reason where we we just don't start very well, and yeah. that's when you're normally sitting there going, "Well, come on, let's let's get the changes ready." and to be fair, he did. He made three changes. He brought on Roberts for Clark, who 
Clark's been out of sorts for a number of weeks. I mean, did nothing really in this game. Yeah. Michu went off, which is to be to be understood, really. He hasn't played from the start at all for us. So he was probably always penciled in for an hour to give Pritchard half an hour or so. And same goes for Sims and Stewart. You know, I think Stewart was always going to come on with a fair chunk of the game left. But that ability to make those changes was, was what won us the game. And Wigan just didn't have that quality of player on their bench. We did. And it, I think that's been our calling card for a couple of weeks now. We've we've got really good players sitting on the bench. Well, we have, and you know, as I said earlier, the fact that we started with um, Michu and Barr meant there was a couple of more experienced players on the bench for him to bring on. And, you know, again, Mowbray has been criticised a bit for not making early subs, but when you've got Stewart and Pritchard and Roberts sat there to, to bring on, it's an easy call to make, or an easier call to make. And, you know, again, you, you're probably looking at this game a little bit differently to you would do a regular Saturday fixture where you've played the previous week and you haven't got a game for another seven days. You've you've got to manage these three games, a Boxing Day game, this game, and our game against... Um, Blackpool on New Year's Day, you kind of got to manage them as a, a trio of games in, in some respects. You know, players aren't going to be able to play a full 90 minutes or not, unless your name's Luke 9 you're not going to be able to play a full 90 minutes for, for all three games. So, you know, there's going to be changes. There'll be a few more changes, I think, for the New Year's Day game at, at Blackpool. Unfortunately, we had to sub Pritchard off a couple of minutes after he, he came on, which is a big blow. But it was going to say make those changes to make use of the, the squad. Yeah, and um, the impact of Roberts was felt almost immediately, wasn't it? With his run for the for the penalty, do you think it was a penalty nailed on, wasn't it? Oh, it's clear. Yeah. Like, I must admit, when I when I first saw it, I thought, "What the hell is he given?" Because <laughs> I was watching the ball. Yeah, um, I didn't see it in, in real time, so fair play to the referee. But it's a clear penalty, and it was interesting, wasn't it? Because Roberts obviously usually plays off off the right, and we've talked and you know, wondered how on earth he fit Ahmed and Roberts into the the same team because Ahmad is so much better coming off the right than he is anywhere else. He played more of a free role on Boxing Day and he, you know he did pretty well, but you kind of wonder whether Roberts coming in off the left, like he, you know, he won that penalty driving in from the left hand side. Yeah. And he's all left foot. And you kind of wonder whether that actually is a, a an option, especially with Clark being out of form, as you mentioned before. Yeah. And that could be something for, for Mowbray to think about for the coming weeks. His close control is just unbelievable. I mean... Th- He's a class player. Yeah. Dariqua, I think it is, the right back can't get anywhere near him. And there's three or four he players... He a little tug, doesn't he? Yeah, there's three or four players trying to work out where Roberts is going. And his feet are just so quick. And it, what it takes yeah. is somebody coming in from the side, heavy-footed, you know, not really knowing what they're doing, maybe, maybe a little bit tired in the play. And he commits and... Roberts gets us that penalty, and that's what he's got in his locker that maybe nobody else has got. It's a very unique skill that he's got. There's not many players really in the championship that I can think of who have that ability to just run at pace with the ball, uh, yeah. re- regardless of the fact he's about five foot five, five foot six. You know, nobody can get near him because he's just so quick and nimble and difficult to get near. Oh, he's he's a he's a he's actually a beautiful football player to watch. Like technically gifted, he can. Do everything. He's got a bit of pace. He can, you know, leave players on the arse. and it's it's just a matter of him finding his position in the side. And I think, you know, he's been here almost a year, hasn't he? And we still haven't got him locked into a regular position where he is guaranteed to start every week. Hmm. Great player to have come off the bench, but you kind of you just think there's more there's there's more to come from him because he's such a talented player. And I think you know that's a, a challenge for 
for Tony Mowbray and the, the coaching staff to find his position where he's going to excel every week because he's got so much ability. Robert and Ahmad really love playing together as well. I mean, you, you saw that as the yeah. as the game goes on. We'll talk about the other goals in a bit, but you've got to get them two on the pitch somehow because they're just too good. They're too good. Yeah. The, like I said, there's not many teams have got any players really of the quality of Roberts. I haven't certainly seen any. Ahmad, like I say, coming into his own, looks every bit of Premier League footballer. There just aren't many teams at this level who've got that that in their locker. So we've got to find a way of um, of getting them on the pitch. But it was Ross Stewart who took the penalty, uh, placed it to the left again, which is, seems to be his um, his favourite spot. But I think to be fair, it's I know, tight, yeah, I know, I know the goalkeeper was close to it. I don't think he gets his glove on it. He might just get a fingertip, but it's so far in the corner that, that he isn't going to save it anyways. So. You know that that's a good penalty for me. You know they don't all have to be smashed down the middle or in the top corners. If if you just get the right amount of pace on it and but are very accurate, it's going to be difficult either way for the goalkeeper. I mean the goalkeeper dives the correct way, but he just isn't long enough to to stop it from going in. So happy days. It makes us two one up in the game and Wigan. I think you can tell by the reaction of uh, of Naylor, the the centre midfielder when the when the ball hits the back of the net. He he's he thinks the goalkeeper has got to it, but like I say, I think it's just yeah. too accurate for him to get near and Ross Stewart gets another goal. I think he was talking after the uh, the game on Boxing Day about the fact he hadn't had a penalty all season. Well, there's the second one. <laughs> so hopefully many more to come. There's there's millimetres in that mind, isn't there? Yeah. That's the thing. That you, it's an it's a absolutely spot-on penalty, absolutely perfect penalty in, in, in many respects. It's, it's low, clips the inside of the post. There's so much accuracy needed for that. Yeah. Like. Yeah, well, like I say, like I say, he probably practices that every day in training. Like I say, don't they don't all have to be smashed down the middle or in the top corners? It, no, sometimes it's, uh, you know, and he's probably looked at their goalkeeper as well. Maybe thought, oh, he's weak down to his right hand side. I don't know. I, I'm just guessing here, <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. So we uh, yeah we were two one up, and to be honest, I didn't feel like we were ever going to lose from that point or even concede another goal. Wasn't really threatened by Wigan whatsoever. Pritchard, I think, in the celebrations for the goal, got injured. I would, I, I didn't see any replay of it on the, on the stream. But... I'm not sure what happened to him. Because he, he, he passed the ball out wide, didn't he, for the two Roberts for the build up to that that penalty. Hmm. So whether he did something in that in that move leading up to it or did something in the celebration, I, I don't know. But it's uh, it looked like his calf again, which obviously he'd been out with for the last few weeks. Um, anyway, so that's a yeah a disappointment if if it is a re- recurrence of that. Yeah. So Matete came on, and to be honest, that wasn't a. Although you don't want a player going off after a couple of minutes through injury, Matete coming on actually gave us a little bit more protection in midfield that we maybe didn't have because obviously we went for it at ones each. We were two one up. We had that little bit more steel in midfield, and I thought Matete actually had a really good game when he came on. A couple of minutes after that, Leon Diaco came on playing left wing back because I think Abdullah Bars picked up a knock. Hopefully that's not too serious either. But you've got to give credit to Diaco because he doesn't get. There aren't many people out there who are really fighting his corner and he hasn't really shown anything this season when he has been given those little chances off the bench or whatever. Um, but I actually thought he did really well playing left wing back, just yeah, you know, just done his job, held his position, worked hard. And you know what, he had a spell last season, didn't he, where he was playing wing back yeah. for quite a number of games and he did he did pretty well. He, he, he acquitted himself fairly well. And you know, he, what what you can never criticise Diaku for is his effort when he comes on. You know, he might not have played for a month or six weeks, but he comes on. He's he's always wanting to to do well, and you know, we can argue about his um, 
his attributes and his limitations as, as a player till till the cows come home. But you know, he, he's another one, as you said earlier. Like the the squad seems to have a good attitude about it. United, and he's a, a good example of that bit part player who comes on, always gives us all. And like say, Jim Matetti, I thought it was excellent when he came on, and I think he's been really badly underused this Agreed. season. I'm not sure yeah. why he has been. You know, to me, he he should be the third choice midfielder at the minute behind Evans and, and Neil. And when one of them comes out, he should be going in. He hasn't been given a chance. And obviously, we don't see what goes on in the training field. And you know, I think Alex Neil had talked earlier in the season, hadn't he? About he didn't know whether he was a a number six or a number eight or a number ten or whoever he is. But there's a player in there, and I'd, I'd like to see. I'd either like to see more of him in the Sunderland shirt this second half of the season, or go out somewhere on loan where he's going to play week in, week out because he he's a good player and we need to develop him. Yeah, and on Diato, he was a little bit unlucky, wasn't he? I think I think he won us a penalty. The referee didn't think so. Do you think it was a handball? I, well, from the replays I saw, it was hard to to really tell. I think um, Danny Collins made the point in the commentary on the Sunderland TV channel that there was there was one in the World Cup. I think that Bruno Fernandez got that was very similar to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it could have been. But I think it's one of those. It's hard for the referee to see, and obviously we haven't got VAR, so it's a, a tricky one, especially after he's given us a penalty already. Yeah. And then we had a really comfortable period in the game where we were just on top without really threatening their goalkeeper but it was nice to see us get a bit of rhythm back because we had a really good first half then had that little sticky period at the start of the second half and then once we got our lead back we then started to play a little bit more and the lads on the pitch who came on got comfortable you've got to give them credit because like I say it was a very very much a patched up team we had a lot of players who would normally be in amongst it not there Uh, lads out of position like say Diaco having to play left wing back and, and all the rest of it but like I say, we once we got in a little bit of rhythm, we were fine, and that's what I like about this team. It doesn't matter who you take out and put in and where you put them. They know their role. They know what they're on the pitch to do, and they just get on with their job. And at that point, it was just, don't let Wigan back into the game. Play our stuff, because they won't get near us if we do. That's all we did. And then as the game advanced, we got the goals to kill off the, off the match and win the three points. Patrick Roberts with the third, it was an immense bit of football I know that it deflected in off one of their players but the football in the lead up was just outrageous I mean yeah it was passionate. I've got to say you know there, there's some times this season where I've watched Sunderland and I can't quite believe it's a Sunderland team I'm watching and yeah. <laughs> there was a little bit of that yeah because we had to win the ball back we had to, you know Wigan had the ball we were playing in a really small space really and yeah you know it's that work down the right-hand side. I think it's it's Dan Neal who wins the ball. He plays it to Matete, back to Neil. Roberts flicks it around the corner. Neil stabs it back yeah. to Roberts. Roberts shoots. It goes in off their player and in. But yeah. just that, like, a, the ability to be able to play that kind of football, it says a lot about the environment, doesn't it, that we've created at the club. Oh, and over and the, the confidence as well, yeah. obviously. They're, they're all confident in, in, in their ability, but each other's ability. Yeah. As well, and look when you got players on the field like Ahmad and, and Robert who can do that sort of stuff, and obviously do it in, in training day in day out. It's it's not hard to do. Like it was a great example of us playing that sort of football in the right area of the pitch at the right time of the game. Yeah, because I think initially we you knew there was a spell before that, wasn't it, where we were just keeping the ball, just trying to take the sting out of the game more than anything else. We weren't trying to get the the third goal. We were just trying to take the sting out of the game. Yeah, um, maybe tempt McLean into a, another foul to get him sent off. <laughs> um, but the the opportunity then opens up to 
to get into the box. Obviously, once you get in the box, if if they put a tackle in, it's you know you're taking a risk. And I think you know the likes of Dan. I think Dan Neal did incredibly well in that move. And actually, think Dan Neal had a, a fantastically good game. Like, I've been critical of, of Dan Neal and his um, impact on on games. We had you know it was a hell of a lot of responsibility on the shoulders tonight with Evans out, and he was a senior player in that midfield. And I thought he had yeah he, he probably had his best game for us tonight. I think Dan Neal. I think he he was excellent from start to finish, and um, you know played some lovely football in in that move to set up Roberts. And yeah, look, I I think he'll get credited with the goal. I think it was just about on target, wasn't it? But um, nice little um, deflection there, put in. Yes, I think ah, I think it's just on target. That would, yeah, that we've hit the same place as Stewart's co- um, Stewart's penalty did that one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that that, uh, that was the third. Then around things off was just an. Oh, I mean, Ahmad. What do you say about this kid? Uh, I'm running out of superlatives. I think he's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, he he actually didn't play particularly well, but it it doesn't matter when you're as good as that. I mean, we do get a little bit fortunate. Another one two between him and Roberts again. Like I say, Roberts was just in amongst everything, wasn't he? In that sort of yeah. half an hour or so he was on the pitch, and. Um, he lays it off to Ahmad. Well, just stunning, great strike. Yeah, I think Wigan at that point just didn't really know what to do with our right hand side because Ahmad Ahmad moves through them like there's nobody there. Yeah. But even then, the position in which he picks up the ball isn't a simple one, and he has one look, looks back down, bang, left foot, straight across the goalkeeper into the corner. He's getting nowhere near that. You know, his starting position isn't actually that bad, but it's just such a good strike. That he was never getting anywhere near it, and that's the type of quality we've, you know, become familiar with with Ahmad. He's he's so good. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really the only thing with Ahmad. I'm I'm a little bit gutted he's not ours, but you know, enjoying while he's here because when he's doing oh, stuff like that every week, exactly. It's funny, Gavin. I just watching the the replay of this um, this goal and Gav, watch um, Bailey Wright and Luco Nine. Yeah, at the end of this um, shot, both of them as soon as the. The ball leaves Ahmad's foot and goes towards net. Both Bailey Wright and Luko Nine have the, the head in the hands. I can't believe what they're, <laughs> they're seeing. I think it's da- is it not Daniel twenty four? Is that Daniel's that number? Da- yeah, but could be. But yeah, they're both they're both just. I mean, the thing is, these these train with him every day, so they must see this yeah. like multiple times every day in training. And I think I think Tony Mowbray has made the point, hasn't he? Where he says like Ahmad has you know over the past couple of months, initially he. He felt as if he had to kind of earn the respect of his his teammates. He was, you know, off in the little group with Bar and Mishu and stuff like that. But he's, you know, the, the other lads have seen what you can do in training, and you know, he'd be doing stuff like this and better in training every day. And he's won the respect of his teammates, and you can kind of see that in terms of where they give him the ball during the game to, yeah. to you know, to receive the ball to do things with. And look, he's he's not our player. He'll never be our player permanently. Although I did have a dream. The other day that we actually signed them, permanently. <laughs> well, I hope it comes true. <laughs> which you know, it might be a premonition. But he he is a player who, you know, from a Man U point of view, he's he's going to be a, a star if he get you know he keeps his head right and all that sort of stuff. From a, a ability point of view, he could be anything he wants to be. Yeah. But he's learning how to be a football player this season, and we've already seen the development improvement over the past few months with him, with him being here. And I think you know, there's there's been a little bit of. Um, Speculation that man, you might recall him um, in, in January. I think that would be the worst thing that could do for his career, because I think another six months here developing or five months here developing is is you know, his footballing ability, being uh, well, not developing his footballing ability, but developing his football awareness. 
and being part of a team that's hopefully pushing at the, the right end of the table. You know, he's he's going to be a better player in five months' time than he is now, and he could be invaluable to us in in the second half of the season because he's got everything he'd bloody wish for. Yeah, it's it's interesting as well that when he went to Rangers, he, he didn't impress anybody there, like the fans that we spoke to didn't think anything of him, and I think that's just the case. Yeah, when you look at it, you know he's in an environment where he's able to do everything he wants to be able to do with the football. And like you've just said, Man United would be fools to take him out of that environment because we're watching a Premier League footballer here, like no doubt about oh, it. At the very least, eh? He could go into the Premier League now and would make an impact for whatever team he was playing for. That's how, that's how good I think he is. Well, I, I agree. And I, we've talked about it before, haven't we? But this is just another example. And it's a very public example of players thriving, young players coming here and thriving in Sunderland's environment. And, you know, whether they're, they're coming in on loan, ideally they're coming in on, on permanent deals. But you've got Ahmad there. You know, we've seen some other players come through. Um, who You know, Jack Clark, you know, out of form at the minute, but, you know, he, he's come in, developed as a player, got regular football circuit we've talked about before. You know, this is a really good advert for young players coming here, being given a chance to play, being given responsibility and developing in a team that plays football the right way. Yeah. And... You know, going into the January transfer window, what better advert could you want? It just, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Actually, it just strengthens our position, doesn't it? Going into that because no, he he's not the only example. I mean, even Roberts, you look at him in this game. There's a lad who everybody knows he's got ability, and this is the only time really since he played for Celtic what five years ago that he's had that mm. chance to show it properly, and Sunderland have become the destination to send your young players if you want them to thrive. You know, you you look at it, they're a massive crowd. I think 4,500 fans there tonight. There, yeah. there was 44,000 or so there on Boxing Day. Where else are you going to send a young player where they're going to play in front of that many fans with this much expectation in an environment where they're allowed to flourish and they the play good football and good football's encouraged and young players can make mistakes... Where where else do you send them if they're not going to a Premier League club? Well, it's, than it's, Sunderland? it's club sending them here, but it's also players choosing to come here. Yeah, yeah. And, and is know, this the right place to go for my career? Yeah. And you know, I, I suspect a couple of years ago, players might not have chosen us, and you know, we've we've seen that before, haven't we? Yeah. But I think now, if you're a young player, and you've got Tony Mowbray, who you know, as a as a manager, his reputation is for looking after players, putting his arm around the shoulder, developing them, creating a good environment for them. Like, there's a hell of a lot to be bloody positive about. Oh, a, a huge amount. I'm just buzzing, to be honest. Like, I, I love being able to record these podcasts straight after the games when we win because <laughs> when you get to see players as good as that doing their stuff in a Sunderland shirt, it's, there's nothing better for me as a fan. Like, Oh, it's class. And look, that, that game tonight, we, we, we saw in spells the best of what we can do. And, you know, there was some patches where... We didn't it didn't come off and the better team would have got back into the game. I think we have to be be mindful of of that as well. But you know, some of the football and it's it's a potential, isn't it? It's just the potential we have got. And I think that's a big difference between us and Wigan. You saw their team who came up ahead of us last season got more points than us last season. They've got a team f- primarily full of players who are good League One players. And, you know, they showed that last season. But, you know, our, our team, the vast majority of them haven't played the championship level on a regular basis before. 
No. If you go through our starting eleven tonight, who's played regularly at championship level? Bailey Rice. Um, is that it? Probably is. Jack Clark's played a little bit, but not much. Yeah, same with Roberts, I and guess. Roberts hasn't played. Um, we're, just, you know, we're just looking at it now, yeah. Much, Bailey Wright. There's not much championship. Ballard. Ex- Ballard had a season last season, didn't he? Yeah, not a lot at all. Yeah, I think I just seen a but tweet. There's not much championship experience there. I saw I saw a tweet that we've we've got an average age of 22 in that team. Yeah, and so, Bailey Wright knocks that up. Yeah, significantly. Quite significantly as well. Yeah, yeah so, you know, no complaints from me. Like, like I say, it's, it's great to watch and... Um, you know, after having done this podcast for many, many years now and had to talk about so much dross, it's just nice to be able to talk about a decent <laughs> team. We, we're fourth as we record this in the table. That'll change probably because there's games tomorrow. Um, but, you know, for now, we are fourth in the table. We're only one point behind Blackburn, who've lost four of the last five to just uh, two points behind them at the minute, Sun and Do. So, Sky's the limit. I wrote this in my editorial on the website this week. A lot of people want to do Sunderland down and reduce our expectations and all the rest of it. And I do get it because we've just came up from League One. It feels like it's far too soon to be even thinking about Sunderland getting promoted or being in the playoff race. But when you look at the quality of the teams in this league and how well we fared against them, I'm sorry, but there's there's nothing stopping us. I just the only thing that will stop oh, us is some really bad injuries to good players, and I hope that doesn't happen. Otherwise, we're going to keep picking up wins just like this against teams who can't cope with the style of football, and this is going to keep happening. And we're going to we're going to keep winning games and getting better. That's the main you know thing. What, Gav, you, you're talking, you know, talking there. Twenty five games in the season, fourth in the table. Out of those twenty five games, Ross Stewart's probably played what eight? Maybe I think he I think he played eight Maybe, just before nine, his injury. Ten. So. So you know, we, 10, 11 games, we've got, yeah. we played 15, 16, 17 games without our main striker. Played fourteen of those without any striker. Yeah, you know, we still haven't scored a corner. <laughs> still haven't scored a free kick. Um, you know, so there's huge room for improvement already, and it's been interesting the last couple of games. We've been trying different things at corners, like we had that one against Blackburn where we pulled the short and Stewart had had a shot. We tried a couple today where we were kind of grouped in in funny positions. We're obviously trying to to develop something from a set piece. And, you know, there's there's so much opportunity to, to improve there. You know, you've got Stuart back and, you know, there's obviously been further rumours today about Stuart, but, you know, you hope that he stays and we get him signed to a new contract. You've got the transfer window opening, which hopefully will be a positive thing rather than a negative thing for us. And I, who knows where we go the second half of the season. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens from here. Man the match tonight, Martin. I think uh, Andy on the website... Gave it to Daniel on Twitter. The readers gave it to Luke O'Neill, but there were lots of honourable mentions for Daniel. Who was your man the match? Um, I I thought Daniel was excellent. I thought Trey Hume had a really good game. I thought he was good taking the ball forward, but also defensively very solid. Yeah. Um, he put one great tackle in on McLean in the um in the first half, which was a, a proper crunching tackle, absolutely fair. Went through him, so I think he he deserves a mention. And I thought Barr was superb. Um, it was unfortunate he he had to go off through injury, but um, I thought he was superb. But I, on, I think there's a few contenders. I think on the on the balance, I would give it to Dan Neal just because I have criticised him for not having enough influence on the game. There was a big opportunity there for him tonight to step up, show some responsibility, take some some control, and show some leadership. And I think he did it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, three word reviews. We'll quickly run through a couple of these over on the Rotor Report Twitter account. We asked the followers there to give us their three word reviews of the game. Cam Cook 0 says Dan Neal underrated. Leon Patel says James McLean who. <laughs> Gary Kirby says Roberts before Clark, which is something we've just talked about. Philip Smith says we are dangerous. Dan McGarvey says trust in Tony. Kyle Wilkinson says fuck me sideways. Um, <laughs> Isola Sean says, took the piss. Uh, Tim says, great result, that. Tommy Smith, the uh, singer, who was, of course, on the pitch on Boxing Day, says, always beat Wigan. To right, I, like, I, I can't remember the last time we lost to Wigan, to be honest. Been a while, hasn't it? No, I say we did the double over them last year as well, didn't we? Because that was Alex Neal's first win, wasn't it? When we went down there and beat them 3-0 with Arby making his... Um... yeah. Is full league debut, so you know that was less than a year ago. Bailey Wright scored about two or three minutes in, didn't he? If I remember rightly, he did, aye. yeah. Uh, onwards and upwards says Gordon Wilson, AJJ says scope to improve. Uh, Leith, uh, sorry, I might have butchered your name Leith Al Hakim says brick wall defense. Uh, Glenn Jenkins says only total football. Uh, Snow Wayman says seasonal six points. And Ashton Williamson will round off on this one. Says sign Ahmad Diallo. I think that would probably um, probably have to empty the bank account of the entire Dreyfus family to get him. But yeah, we'll just enjoy him while he's here. That's all I keep saying to myself because it is going to hurt when he gets to the end of the season and he scored that winning goal at Wembley and we're in the Premier League and he goes back to Man United. Hey, if 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 that happens, we'll probably sign him for another season on loan. And I think you know what? It's it's one of those situations. I, I remember being distraught about Peter Beagry going back to Everton because <laughs> Beagry came in on loan after we'd sold Gabby Dean he was class and he was only on months loan and all it looked like a really obvious one where it would sign him he hadn't been getting into Everton's team and you know maybe one of those players who was on the borderline between the top flight and the, the second tier and I, I, I was convinced we were going to sign him this one's different with Diallo I, you just know there's not a cat in hell's chance of us ever getting him on a permanent deal so we just have to enjoy him. And if, you know, if we go up, if we went up, there might be a chance mm-hmm. of getting him again for a season. Hey, but just enjoy him because he could become an absolute superstar. And he could be one of those players who we were watching in seven or eight years time. Well, remember when he played for us? Yeah. Because he's, he's that good. So, you know, just enjoy him. And hopefully he stays here for the rest of the season. I wonder if that's the first time someone's compared Peter Beagree to uh, Ahmad. Possibly. Well, if if you listen, if you listen back, Alan, <laughs> I didn't compare the players. You did, man. You did. You did. Um, <laughs> so, Ahmad, not as good as Peter Beagle. <laughs> um, so yeah, next. He doesn't up, do somersaults. He can't be. No. Well, he might start doing them. You never know. Maybe when he, he hears this yet. back. Um, so next up <laughs> is a game on New Year's Day away at Blackpool. Uh, we'll be back with all our coverage around that game. I don't know if there'll be a preview. We're letting Chris have Christmas off. Got to, he's got to have Christmas off, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> and New Year. But yeah, Blackpool on New Year's Day. We'll be back with a podcast probably after that, but all your regular content another coming up. Another good chance for three points. Yes, another good chance. I can't wait. And I'll tell you what, if if we can get a win there, that's a hell of a Christmas period of fixtures to to tick off, isn't it? And a good piss up for the lads, fans in Blackpool that weekend. It's always yeah. a good, good weekend in Blackpool, particularly Plus. around New Year. I think the last time... 
we, we did have a new... Yeah, I was there, of course. Yeah, we had that one where we, there was about 10,000 of us in the ground and 1,000 of Magic their fans. Score, didn't yeah, it was a crap game, but it was a great weekend. Um, so, yeah, so all your content coming up around that game on rotareport.espionation.com. Of course, on the podcast, we'll be back after the match with a pod. Um, don't forget, before the end of December, which is creeping up, obviously, tomorrow... Well, it depends when you're listening to this. But, yeah, we, we've got the end of the month coming up, which will be the end of the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen fundraiser for this year. As it stands, as we record, we're creeping up on 35,000. We want to try and hit that by the end of the month. If we can get there, great. If you listen to this and you haven't donated, please consider it because the reaction's been great. I mean, we still haven't had the final total back from the club, but... Every match ticket that was sold on Boxing Day, we made a pound from. But yeah, maybe we'll have that total for you by the time this pod goes out. And um, just to add on to that, so yeah, we we're hoping to maybe touch fifty, all things considered, which would be unbelievable because we know that this has been a really, really tough year for most people. You know, a lot of normal families struggling just to get by, even to pay their heating bills and stuff. We knew it was going to be hard to fundraise this time around after such a Herculean effort last year, but you've still all came out and done your bit and we've had people raising money in the workplaces. We've had, um, we did a charity raffle, which raised a grand. We raised over a grand thanks to the sock council who, um, created a bespoke design and people bought those for Christmas presents and what have you. So it's been brilliant. And next year we'll hit it even harder again. We'll hopefully keep it going because when I say this and I mean it, like this charity relies on this fundraiser every year just to survive you know, so know that when you when you're donating, you're doing your bit. So yeah, if you, I mean, the, the fundraiser page will still be open after December, but you know, we're hoping to hit that total by by the end of the month. So if you can donate, please do. And that just leaves me with this one and to say goodbye to you. Excellent. Yes, happy New Year to everybody. Yes, it's happy New Year. A, I wasn't very cheery on the last one. Yeah, really, isn't it? Well, I, I wasn't very cheery on the last one, and I was doing down Christmas I've actually had a really nice Christmas mainly because Sunderland have won games Um, but yeah it's been a great year to be a Sunderland fan and you will possibly not catch us until the new year so as Martin says have a happy new year everybody and we'll catch you later Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.